0: Has the best breeders program
1: in the entire United States. Angel of Empire wins the Arkansas Derby and wins it clear. Caravel in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint.
2: Pennsylvania and the PHBA have the best state bred program in the country, bar none. The best breeders' awards and stallion awards in the country.
1: We're racing two year olds in California, Kentucky. Please consider Bleeder Shield, the leading all natural pace used to greatly reduce or eliminate EIPH. The list of trainers who trust Bleeder Shield is endless. Shouldn't you join the team? To learn more, contact Joseph Vellante at 215 501
0: 6880. Who are you betting on? How about an app created specifically for horse racing? naira bets we specialize in thundering hooks fist pumping and boosting your bankroll with robust weekly promotions and offer betting tips from actual horse racing experts bet all day and night nationwide get the action in rural horse racing with naira bets 200 deposit match with promo steve 200 visit naira for details
1: The Ponds Family's Country Life and Maryland Farms are the place for breeding and racing in the Mid-Atlantic. Country Life is nationally recognized
0: for making stallions and currently stands, the Mid-Atlantic's leading first and second crop sires, Divining Rod by Tappan and Mosler by Warfront, as well as Frisian Fire. Maryland's
1: 5-8th mile training track completes the full service facilities, from the folding barn to the racetrack. Join the excitement of racing with Country Life Farm, where our partnerships can take you from beginning to winning. Want to know a secret? The Massachusetts Breeding Program pays huge
3: bonuses for finishing first, second, or third at any racetrack in the country. You didn't know that, did you? Mass get paid up to an additional 25% of their purse earnings for the owner, and breeder, and stallion
1: owner, and developer. It's the best kept secret in racing, till now. Tell all your friends, and to learn more, visit MassBreds.com.
2: Serious XM, XM Sports, Sports presents At The Races with Steve Bick. Horse racing, handicapping, interviews. This is At The At races, races with Steve Bick.
0: back and uh you know i wanted to i wanted to get this in before sid joins us it warm, the it chokes, the for those of you that uh may have seen the news Michael Gambon uh, passed away. And, of course, this is the theme from luck. And a lot of of the luck conversation, you know, focuses on John Ortiz and Dustin Hoffman and the late Dennis Farina and so forth. Uh, What's her name? Hennessy. And and Nick Nolte, and, and, and on and on and on, and uh, Gambon, Gambon was really, really good, in it and 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 evil as can be. I, I know that the, I'm sure that the, all the Harry Potter fans are, are aghast that I I haven't referenced that, but the Gambon, Gambon was really good. It was really good. I, in fact, I reached out to Jay Hubby. I asked him if he had a reflection about uh, Gambon and he he said no he was but he was still getting over he's still trying to deal with the uh, passing of of David McCallum uh, for those of us that were uh that were uh man from uncle fans and uh there's actually been some fascinating stuff about McCallum uh including his music uh that that I don't think I, I wasn't familiar with. He had a he he at a big case. Did you see that about that sample of his, that, the the big hip hop sample? Yeah. Uh, uh, I know. Uh, some album that, uh, from the late sixties or from 1970, maybe something like that. I, it, I, I had no idea. Now I'll send you the link. in case said he hadn't seen it either. It, it's very cool. It was somebody on Twitter put it up, uh, a music writer, uh, so anyway michael gambon and and there you know there were he you know he was that he was the gangster the if, if you've never seen was it layer cake it's layer cake right with uh Dan, with with daniel craig yeah i it, he he always played a he always played a good a good uh you know british uh gangster type um uh, and and if if you've never seen if, if you're not familiar with the singing detective singing detective there's been there's been a couple different there, there were a couple different interpreters if you're looking to stream something pull up the 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 original british version of the singing detective where he plays marlowe it it, it it i would i would yeah it, it it's really interesting and uh there, there's been Two or three different versions of it. Uh, the singing detective, and didn't I think uh, I think Downey right? I think I think Robert Downey Jr. I think uh, did a version of uh, the singing detective as well. Anyway, Michael Gambon and I. The first thing I thought of, I I know the Dumbledore types will be, you know, that's their arena. I, I didn't dislike. I didn't dislike, uh, the, uh, the Harry Potter stuff. I just, I just wasn't, I disliked the author. She's awful. A terrible person. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the movies are fun, I guess. And he was terrific in it. Uh, really good. So, anyway. Michael Gambon. I wanted to get a any opportunity we have to pay homage uh, to uh, to luck, which uh, we were we were totally cheated out of. Uh, it's the reality. We just they 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 took it away from us. Just not it wasn't right. Sid Fernando is going to join us, and uh, I guess Sid, you know what? Yesterday not working out. Yesterday ends up being is sort of fortuitous because uh, after the early afternoon uh, we were greeted by the news of of mage going to airdrie and uh so we get to discuss it while it's fresh good morning good morning how are you I, i'm good i'm gonna turn the volume up there we go uh we're good we're good i i i saw i saw the grandson was in tampa yeah it
3: was fantastic uh and plus we had him alone too so it was just outstanding
0: I love it How many times did the dog knock him down
3: uh a couple of times, but he- re- he loves dogs and yeah uh, <laughs> you know, he's a puppy, he's a puppy, it was good, and you know we have two cats too, and uh you know he calls me the don it's, it's don and CC, so it's
0: really funny I love that yeah. <laughs> Don Fernando.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's what Joe, my son, wanted him to call me. So I yeah, love it. He's got Grandpa and Grandma on the other side. So it's it's Don and CC on our side. Yeah.
0: Well, that's because you guys are listen. You guys are Brooklyn hipsters. So the, the, the <laughs> so the what what he calls you have to be you know it's got to fit the image.
3: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Plus he I I you know he sat on my sat on my Harley. He loved that. He he's really into bites at the moment so very uh, cool it was, yeah it was a blast for him i didn't take him on it but you know he just sat on it
0: i love it did you did you, yeah. did you, did you turn it on and, and let him hear the yeah, oh, yeah. the rumble oh, yeah, yeah. i love Oh, tremendous yeah that's tremendous so he's all boy in other words oh
3: yeah he loves it he loves he's a, he he's a he's just a, he's just a great kid He, he you know said this uh on Instagram, but he reminds me of both my sons. So
0: yeah,
3: I was great. Of course, he's named after my son Johnny. So of, yes. course.
0: John. of course, of uh, course. Well, I, I could tell how I could tell how much fun of uh, you guys were having with him. It was the the the, the, the pictures were tremendous. Uh, uh, yeah. The the decision. By by Brett Jones to and, and his team to bring Mage in uh, at Airdrie. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard me at the beginning of the show uh, when I referenced the, you know that we would talk about it. Uh, you know, as part of Sire Watch, presented by Yeah, it's, a, it's a
3: great uh, you know it's a great acquisition for them to get a, a Derby winner by you know one of the hottest young sires out there, Good Magic. So. Uh, yeah, kind of amazing too that shortly after Governor Jones dies, uh, Brett steps up and does a deal that would have made the governor proud. I'm sure.
0: I, agreed, and, and I mean it. It fits. It, it's it, it sort of fits their you know their historic approach, uh, while at the same time you know acknowledging the mo- you know, modern market conditions.
3: I actually. It's uh, a bit of a departure because they, during the the Brary Jones era, you know, they really couldn't get a marquee type of horse like that. They had to like shop around, give give up some pedigree and race record uh, because you know they couldn't compete with the big big boys. But uh, this is like, as far as I can remember, really. The first time they've gotten a big racehorse, Uh, Governor Jones's MO prior to this, as I mentioned, was kind of working uh, around the edges and and getting horses, say, that Indian Charlie, for example, by In Excess, only made five starts, won four, lost the derby, obviously. Uh, That type of horse, uh, he was able to get because other people didn't want him. this horse, you know, he's the Derby winner by Good Magic. Uh, on the flip side, you know, he he might not fit as well in the in the physical department that uh is known for, in the sense that he's a smaller horse. Uh, you know, the Indian Charlies were big, strapping horses, that type uh, that kinda of was a hallmark of uh Eric Reed. But guess what? They've got a a horse that looks like his sire and they got the Derby winner. And that's pretty huge.
0: Yeah, and, and you know getting getting a good magic uh, son and, and obviously as high profile a good magic son right you know, right now. Um uh, yeah. it it it's you know what what do you think what do you think he well, good
3: Magic is going to stand for six figures next year? Right. No question.
0: Yeah. So I guess I mean I guess this is obviously this is still incomplete.
3: Um and... yeah, we'll have to see uh you know how the rest of his career uh, progresses and what else he wins will obviously have a determining factor on stud fee.
0: Now, the um uh... I mean, do you think I made the point or floated the point that uh that this will be even though Brett has been running things that, for a number of years now uh that this will be thought of as as sort of the embarkation point of uh, you know of his time at the at the helm
3: oh absolutely this this is a watershed event for airgree it's the uh new Airgree in a way. Because they landed a high-profile classic winner uh, under uh, under Brett's leadership now, and you know it's it's a, it's an auspicious beginning for him. You know, all these farms, uh, or a lot of them, you know, there's a, 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 the 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 sons are there, you know, in some capacity, or you another. Know, Clayburn with Seth Hancock handing it over to Walker Hancock, in this case, um, uh, uh, Brerie Jones to Brett Jones, uh, you know, and uh, it's always nice. Uh, you know, I met Brett. It's it's so funny. Uh, I just thought about this. I have mentioned Craig Burnick's uh, crawfish party, his boil, <laughs> and how many. People were there that have since had success. And one of the people there this year was Brett Jones. And I was actually talking to Brett. We were involved in a conversation, and Ramiro's name came up. And I said, oh, I haven't seen Ramiro there. And Brett said, uh, He's right there, and he's headed our way. And lo and behold, uh, Ramiro Estrepo, one of the co owners, obviously, of Mage, came and uh, you know, join the conversation. Um, so yet another person at that party, too, by the way. Uh, so um, it's really uh, something, isn't it, that uh, Brett Jones had obviously been talking to Romero since the horse, uh, when you and I were there, and we saw Mage break his maiden that day on, uh, the, uh, on the Pegasus World Cup day. And if you recall, as we were walking to see one of Mr. 50's horses, Ramiro came up to us and said, did you see that? And you and I said, yeah. And I guess Brett had too. And so I guess Brett had been in discussions from what I read with Ramiro from the very beginning, from the time he broke that maiden race, won the, won the maiden race. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing how, relationships and, you know, Brett's a very upfront, gregarious uh, guy and uh, he's part of that younger generation. Romero is as well. And, you know, it's, uh, I guess the deal was there to be had.
0: Nice. And, and <laughs> I mean, unrelated to this, uh, yeah, obviously a, a, an emotional week. Uh, for the family and, and for, uh, the farm, uh, you know, Monday, uh, the governor lying in state in Frankfurt and, and, uh, then, uh, the funeral on, uh, on Tuesday. And, uh, we, uh, it's really, it does feel like a, a companion, it's a, kind of a, an amazing development really uh, uh it
3: really is it's, yeah uh, it's amazing how these things are so synergistic
0: yeah well I, I i got the i had a nice uh exchange uh with brett uh about uh about uh, the governor and uh you know, I, I, as always, uh, with a circumstance like this, it's a, a, an open invite. Uh, and, and he said that uh, you know he, he'd very much like to come on at some point uh, when 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 the timing's right and uh, talk about his dad. So
2: yeah, oh, uh, very nice. Yeah, very look nice. forward to it okay.
0: very much. Um, widely, I mean that really, and, and actually, uh, the governor came up in a. Uh, Kind of a steering committee uh, conversation yesterday with the uh, turf riders uh, as well um, about his legacy and uh, some appropriate uh, tie-ins. Uh, the aftermath of the sale, as well said, we talked uh, you know, in the teeth of things uh, last week. Uh, any final thoughts about how things ended up?
3: Uh, I mean, it, it was a big sale right to the uh, very end. In fact, on the last day of the sale, book six, uh, uh, Mr. one of our clients, uh, you know, they were selling till the end. Mr. 50 sold a, a B jersey for $135,000, which is just amazing.
0: <laughs> it, 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 and, no, it, and keep in mind, that was the
3: second crop, uh, no third crop be Jersey Because the first crop is three, second crop is two, and so it's a third crop. You know, third crop horses ordinarily suffer at auction. But it was when he bred, and it, it made the money.
0: Uh, it it just uh, it just seemed from right from you know right from that explosive. Book one, uh, and and then, you know, the way in which the way in which you had book one prices, you know, really through book three, uh, it it just yeah,
3: uh, yeah, it, it was it, it really is uh, amazing. And by the way, as an anecdote, this B uh, Jersey, I had a reserve of only nineteen thousand on it. Oh my god! Yeah, nineteen thousand reserve, and it sold for one hundred and thirty-five. Wow. Just shows you that, you know, there's demand.
0: No, no no doubt. And we'll also, uh, and obviously the season is far from over, uh, everybody will turn their attention uh, to Timonium next week. And uh, Monday and Tuesday, the mid-Atlantic fall yearlings followed uh, two weeks later uh, in terms of phasing uh, by the Saratoga mix sale, uh, in between, uh, in fact, the catalog came. I think it came Tuesday. Uh, a a rather a rather thick uh, October yearling catalog for OBS. Uh, yeah,
3: and we just did that catalog. Uh, we just went through it, and uh, there's some good lots in there as well, yeah. including some some young sires. Uh, so, I think. Uh, you know, pound for pound, I mean, it's it's probably gonna do well that sale. You know, for what it is. Uh, in fact, there were several uh, really nice horses on pedigree in that sale as well. So it, so, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a you know the demand is also there, not only because of the purse structure and all that, but a reduced full crop too
0: well and and fold that in Sid, and, and obviously we'll talk to uh, tom Ventura and uh, wojo uh, down at obs uh in advance of the the sale it's next tuesday in, or two weeks tuesday and wednesday uh yeah because there's some very interesting there there's some very interesting horses uh, sires that are represented in this in this catalog including gunavera uh fog of war uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I will tell you a, a, a sire that we've already hinted at, uh, the, and this is the New Yorker that you know stands uh, at McMahon's. Solomini uh, is for those that are you know into watching smoke signals. Solomini uh, looks like a hit, and there's uh, five, ten, fifteen. There's nineteen Solomini's in this catalog, and, I, and they're going to be. Uh, they're going to be sought after. Thousand words has got uh, looks like fifteen in here. Um, I mentioned Gun of Arab. Cozan uh, is is already you know he's already that train's already uh, on the on the on the tracks. Um, uh, Fog of War. Fog of War's got a bunch. Fog of War's got like looks like almost thirty hips. Is he at, where is he? Is he at, uh... Is he stands he at, in
3: New York. And of course, he's the Peter Brandt uh, yeah. uh, war warfront grade one winner.
0: But where, uh, where, did, I didn't realize...
3: I mean, yeah, he stands, he stands in New York at, uh... I can't remember off the top yeah, of my Solomon, also just had a recent stakes winner. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Fog of War is at Hidden Lake Farm in Stillwater. Yeah. Wow. How about that? uh a bunch of them in the catalog uh there's a bunch of uh, catalina cruisers obviously this is a uh this is a a, a big pinhook opportunity uh there'll be a bunch that uh you will see come right back uh, by like march uh, and april uh, at OBS uh i've not had a chance to this just came on on uh Tuesday. There's six. I will say there's six uh, maximum, maximus mischiefs uh, that are going to be sought after. McKin- there's three McKinsey's, uh who had a good uh, who had a good sale. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. This will be interesting. All right. Well, I've got, I got work to do on that. Uh, got work to do on that catalog. Uh, you mentioned the full crop. Uh, any reaction to the you know, jockey club? Uh, Says the estimates uh, might be 500 foals off of uh, last year from about 18,000. Yeah, I
3: mean, it's just, it's really just the uh, trend. uh, And that trend is that the game is uh, more about the big conglomerates. It's very similar to society Uh, the Barnes and Nobles versus the mom and pop bookstores. And the, the bigger ones take over and control the, the bigger horses who sell more, well, to use uh, the book analogy, more books, in this case, books of mares. So uh, the, the bigger horses are breeding more mares and the smaller farms and their horses you know, are breeding less and kind of falling off the landscape. It's not just something that's symptomatic to racing. It's how uh, the economics of uh, modern society work. Uh, you know, in the in, uh, the idea of uh, conglomeration, and so this also applies to mayors too. More mayors now are being held by fewer people, and so. Uh, You know, we can argue if it's good or bad all day long, but it's a reality of how business works in this country right now. And and racing isn't immune to
0: it. No, no. Well, and I, you know, while I was at, while I was at uh, Keeneland, and I did ask, I did ask Tony Lacey, you know, what, what the sales agencies, uh, you know, what their attitude is, uh, you know, toward this, and, and you, you mean know, the yeah, well, not, no, no, I, I mean, just the the, you know, the the dwindling, you know, the the lowering totals. Uh,
3: yeah, right. right.
0: And you know, then I mean, the competitiveness of of. You know the spotters. You know pulling, you know putting the catalogs together, etc. Uh, you know in terms of keeping quality up, but but most importantly, uh, you know I've also asked plenty of of, of breeders, uh, breeder owner types, you know what their thought is and about putting mares, you know, in, in into service and uh, you know what you, what you do because obviously the demand the demand is there, Sid. It's not. I mean the, the these these sales are the sale results, uh, speak for themselves. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, there's a bunch of people decrying, uh, you know, the graded stake program, uh, as it, as it stands, you know, as it, as it's constructed, uh, you know, as, as offering too many opportunities and, and then, you know, diluting, uh, field sizes and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, that, that, that feels like a dialogue, though, that that is coming from people that aren't directly involved in the actual breeding and, and sale of horses.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I just compared racing to other industries in the country, but within racing, various segments of it also follow that. You've got, uh, you know, the super trainers, they train more horses than other ones, right? Owners, the owners are banding together in various partnerships. Uh, so there's demand, and there's certainly demand at the top end because there's still prestige in winning classic races. And the trend is everyone wants colts that have the potential to win classics, and they owners don't mind if they own only 10% of it whereas in the past the one guy owned the whole horse now different people spread out so they can buy more horses together and have a chance for it so you see how that works so there is demand because of a type of model uh and uh you know it's just it's just how things are we can like you like you just said yeah you know people can discuss it but uh Basically, uh, a small breeder like you is more of an anomaly, uh, or becoming more of an anomaly than in the past. Uh, the trend is everybody partners. And so, uh, with more money from these partnerships available, they can buy more horses, uh, the tom ryan group uh, uh sf madiket starlight for example that's just in a microcosm uh you know they can they can go out there and spend 10 12 million as one in one entity you know buying a bunch of horses which does increase demand other people have formed a sim- similar partnerships to, to go up against them so there's more there's they're bidding on a lot of the same horses and they're looking for horses. And so you've got all these partnerships forming, but what that means is there are fewer actual buyers, but more groups of buyers spending money for more horses. So that's what I mean that the ownership is being consolidated in fewer hands. When that happens, gives rise to uh, fewer trainers because, say, the SF Maddox example, well, they're going to give their horses, their top-tier horses to Baffert. Uh, whereas if they were all individual owners, you know, somebody, more trainers would be involved in the picture. Once the Baff- once the horses don't pan out for Baffert, they'll get farmed around the country as they see fit, like uh, – the, the Lady of Laurel gets some of them now. Yep. What's her name, Brittany?
0: Or, Brittany Russell. Uh, Brittany Russell, yeah.
3: So uh, it's all uh, you know, based on that type of uh, deal. There are very few people like uh, uh, your friend, uh, Live Oak, Charlotte Weber. Her cousin, George Strawbridge, who really races in Europe. Uh, Charles Fipke only breeds and owns his own horses. Uh, Gary and Mary West, they don't race in partnership. But that type of owner is, and we've been discussing this for years, they're dwindling. Even the Phipps is now uh, are in partnership with Ripoli or St. Elias, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so um, it's its a changing dynamic that's been happening for some time right now. And, uh, what that does is, like I said, it consolidates more horses in fewer ownership entities. And so if you want to take the small field size, for example, well, all these guys together own same horses. So they're not going to run them against each other. Most of the time, Gina, leave it. Uh, you know, it, all, everything links from one aspect to another in this game, but people only look at one part at a time and don't see the links. There are a lot of moving parts that affect every other part, but they concentrate on the one part to the detriment of looking at the big picture because, quite frankly, when it gets to the breeding part of it, the racing people don't understand it. When it gets to the racing part, the breeding people don't understand it. When it gets to regulation, they don't understand everything else. I mean, you know, it's just uh, it, it's it's so disjointed in that way. I don't mean to be uh, ragging on everybody, but I'm just trying to explain the the way things you know work, you know, and the way social media uh, creates even bigger hysteria. Uh, the way uh, lack of real journalism uh, leaves a void in explaining these issues. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's all tied together. And, uh, you know, fortunately we have your show where a few of us can discuss all this stuff, but it's, you know, it's a drop in the bucket.
0: Well, it, it, uh, <clears throat> It just another one of the challenges, obviously, out there, Sid. I mean that. Yeah, uh...
3: I, you know, I want to bring up one thing sure. because I was warned not to bring this up. <laughs> I just I haven't read the article, but all I saw on social media was somebody put a clip of something John Secura said about German Shepherds, and it just took off. And one prominent voice said, "You know, yeah, how." Uh, how terrible this is and everything. And basically it was John Sakura saying that, you know, if somebody gets a German shepherd who lives until it's age 12 and dies of dysplasia is the breeder immoral or inhumane. And of course, this one person said, um, yes, uh, that is so <sighs> missing and understanding what it's all about. And, since it's about German Shepherds, I can speak kind of authoritatively on it because I've had German Shepherds my entire life. And what people don't understand is hip, hip dysplasia. Uh, hip dysplasia—you can test for hip dysplasia in the sire or the, the stud dog, and and the female—but it doesn't. It's only predictive. It doesn't tell you if it's going to affect the puppies. And when you get puppies. There are two tests. One is the OFA test, uh, and the other is what's called the PEN-HIP test. The OFA test, you can't test until they're two years old. The PEN-HIP test, you can test at four months. Uh, and what happens, say, if you use a PEN-HIP test, and it shows a positive uh, you know, likelihood of dysplasia, hip dysplasia down the road? Well, the puppy is four months old. You know what? Some what, what's inhumane? Do you, does somebody take that dog or does the breeder put that dog to sleep? Which is more inhuman, inhumane? I've had a German Shepherd that lived till 12 and then she got hip dysplasia and died. I would never have traded her back. It's not a transactional thing. It's a family member. You're not going to blame the person who bred it 12 years ago. You had a beautiful life with the dog and and, and certain breeds are predisposed to it. And like I said, you can't prevent it. You you can. The tests are predictive, but they're not 100%. And I thought that John Secura got a really raw deal from whatever part on that German Shepherd analogy that I read. And I, I, I I just felt like I can't hold back on this one because (laughs) I actually know German Shepherds.
0: (laughs) I, I, I. I didn't see that coming. Uh, I uh, I do have, I did recommend for people to you know to read McGrath's piece with uh, with John. Uh, yeah. The, the the I did not see the uh, the carrying on uh, or, or any. Oh
3: yeah, it's apparently just taken off. Uh, you know, on Twitter everybody's trashing it. And again, I didn't read the article, but I did read the part about the German Shepherds, which is what was printed with the with the person who said. Is the breeder inhumane? Um, yes. End quote. 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 End quote. But it's a lot. You know, a lot of these ethical issues are so complex and they don't lend themselves to an um yes on Twitter to create outrage.
0: Sure. Sure. <laughs> I, 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 we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to convene off-air. I gotta go. I, now I got. Now I gotta go find this. I, I did not. Uh, uh, th- there's. Uh, there's there's no shortage of uh wildfires uh, out out there on uh Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god.
3: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I don't I, I you know, and and you know me, I do not truck in in that uh in, in that currency. No you don't. Well, I that's I, I, I thank you for not. <laughs> exactly, right. <laughs> Sid, I appreciate it. Uh it's great to get you in this week i didn't want to i didn't want to miss and and the situation with mage uh being yeah, you know, as always that was great it's
3: a pleasure, uh bro we'll talk next week
0: all right so you got it Sid fernando everybody sire watch pedigree focus and of course the uh sale season continues uh the yearling side mm-hmm. and whoop and uh you really at this point i mean it, it's close enough is october Another week, another few days. Uh, work thoroughbred consultants 1111 Get Sid and Roger and uh, Francis and everybody working on uh, your decisions for next year. We're not. We're going to start. You're going to start hearing, you know, rosters and and uh, stud fees and so forth. It's going to get going. All right, let's uh, let's go to Arizona and uh, talk to Leroy Gesman again. It uh, it didn't didn't look too promising when we talked to Leroy last week. The situation at Turf Paradise, and it, like a bolt uh, like a bolt of lightning, uh, yesterday the word comes that. Something occurred.
2: <laughs>
0: all right, turn down that radio, as they say, Leroy. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I know. Uh, I
0: I'm
2: just going to go in the other room.
0: It makes me make makes me feel like a a real you know radio talk show caller kind of show.
2: <laughs> I love. It. I was trying. I was trying to click the mouse, but it wasn't working.
0: That's all right. Uh, Leroy, what this is, this feels miraculous, and it's obviously going to buy time for uh, racing interests, uh, stakeholders in the state, to figure out, you know, an intermediate and long term plan. But what what has transpired here that uh, brought this together?
2: Well, it's a crazy story, and uh, I'm still a little suspicious of everything, but. I think it was a week ago Monday uh, the ABC channel out here ran a pretty good story on Turf Paradise's closure. And they interviewed Mr. Sims and they interviewed Mr. Watson who was the previous uh, buyer that had done quite a bit of due diligent work and, and had an offer on the property. But uh, the deal went south for some reason. We don't really know why. But, uh, anyway, this gentleman uh, saw this article and he also owns a company that has like 500 ATM machines throughout the valley here. And he uh, had to run out to One of the OTBs, to service his ATM machine, so when he got out there, he started talking to the teller about what was going on and what he saw on TV. And the teller tells him, uh, you know, they're all going to lose their jobs and they're going to be shut down on September 30th. And he wasn't sure what he was going to do. And the guy goes let me talk to your boss. So he got, uh, general managers, Vince fancy his phone number and called him and got in contact with the real estate agent and got all the details, made a phone call to Jerry Sims and they in about a 20 minute phone call worked out a, a deal. And, uh, he wrote a, an offer, and uh, the contract is being prepared now, and hopefully the contract will be signed either today or tomorrow for him to buy Turf Paradise. And uh, so the HBPA had a board meeting yesterday, and they decided uh, not to... Pull the signal on September 30th, but to let the signal continue till November 12th uh, to give them time to consummate this deal. Now, as you know, a transaction like this takes takes a lot of uh, due diligence, and a, it t- there's a lot of hoops to go through to get to the finish line uh i don't want to give anybody any false hope or say the place is sold but you know we have a potential buyer and mr sims accepted his offer which is amazing um and uh they're moving forward in the process so that's kind of kind of how it all transpired it was very quick uh i've met the gentleman he's uh he, he seems like a pretty, pretty neat guy, and uh, he's a little—he's a working guy. He's and, uh, but he has the money to back him up. So, anyway, we'll see what happens. He has a lot of plans for 19th and Bell in Phoenix, but uh, you know, we have to see if it all comes to fruition.
0: This is this is like out of a
2: movie. I know, it's like a script out of a movie, it really is crazy
0: <laughs> guy, guy comes in off the street and and, and is going to save the farm it, it's <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't make this up
2: it, I know it's, uh, and that's why we're a lot, all a little uh, suspicious and uh, a little concerned but you know, we're going through the process. Uh, hopefully it all comes to happen.
0: Um, how, how, at what point do you expect that uh, that his identity and, and that he'll, you know, be in a position to, you know, to meet the press, as it were? Um,
2: I think once the contract is, is inked, uh, which is supposed to happen in the next couple of days, uh, he has to put up a large amount of earnest money. And if if the contract is signed by both parties and the earnest money is put in escrow, uh, I think at that time Mr. Sims will be ready to make a press release. But they've asked us not to, uh, you know, identify the gentleman until sure. the, all this stuff happens. So, but, uh, yeah, that's... And, uh, another bright side of Arizona racing is, uh, I've been working like along. well, I've been, uh, in contact with a, uh, a company that, uh, has racetracks and, uh, they're interested in Arizona downs, uh, whether they still will be interested if this deal happens at turf or not, I'm not sure. But uh, they they said they that they possibly still would be interested in Arizona down. So I've been working with these potential buyers for some time, and I'm hoping it just all comes together.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> from you know, from zero to sixty in in uh, in, in a week. I mean, it, you, it's just this is this is uh, quite something.
2: Yeah, I thought I was riding in a Tesla here the last few days.
0: I, I, I just, it's it, it's one of those things where yeah, uh, you know, you never know. I, I guess uh, you, you know, you just uh, all the all the stupid trite. Uh, sayings the darkest hour is just before dawn and whatever i, I yeah
2: you i know. know
0: don't don't uh, you know don't give up the ship and and uh i, I it's just crazy because you know because especially uh, Leroy, because the way these the way the you know the the story broke yesterday the, there was very little you know there was very little detail so it, it everybody was like Oh, my God, this sounds
2: great. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, th- I think uh, Vince Francia, the general manager, he wanted to get something out, and Mr. Sims didn't want to get anything out yet. But uh, because of the uncertainty of the OTBs on the ninth, he wanted to get it, information out that they would remain open. Uh, and they were not going to be shutting down on the thirtieth, so um, that that's why for the brief announcement yesterday, I guess. But, uh, well, and anyway, in,
0: in in terms of the racing, so in terms of the racing, let's assume everything. You know, all the eyes get dotted and T's get crossed. the the normal the normal race calendar, the normal race schedule, the, um, with the meet would start in January.
2: Um, yeah, it, you know, like I said, there's a lot, a lot to happen. Right. But uh, as, uh, assuming that all what, happens. As, as soon as the, uh, as soon as the app, uh, you know, the contract gets done, he does his due diligence. He'll get his application into the state. Uh, he has to get the state permit, transferred into or acquired in his name before we could start a race meet. But, uh, and this is kind of a miracle thing too. I, I can't believe but Mr. Sims has agreed to start preparing the facility for the arrival of horses. And hopefully the horses can start coming in sometime around the 1st of December.
0: Excellent so oh,
2: um and then they want to start early january if the permit gets handled and, and everything gets finalized
0: and so you'll so you guys will also reevaluate the 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 contract portion uh for november 12th uh essentially you know just at that point the uh, to keep the the otbs open as well that that'll That'll go hand in hand,
2: uh, yes uh, we 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 picked November twelfth because the new buyer has from the day the contract is signed, which like i said we're we're hoping that's executed uh today or tomorrow uh, we, he the new buyer has thirty days for due diligence and then he has to put up more. Uh, money or he has to withdraw his offer so in 30 days we're going to know if it's going to happen or not happen okay and uh that way if it does happen we can we can just go ahead and extend the otv uh signals through the end of the year uh, but we're running into a situation uh Surf Paradise's permit ends for OTBs on December 31st, so we got to make sure the new guy gets his permit activated for January 1st. So that that's the deadline we're up against.
0: You know, you mentioned uh, so obviously we'll monitor uh, and and how things proceed. But uh, you know, you, you mentioned that this party uh, has. You know potential plans. I mean, obviously, redevelopment and and renewal, essentially, of the facility. Uh, I, I imagine is part of his thinking. I mean, because it, it's well documented. Uh, you know, including the the challenges uh, the facility faced from Heiss's inspection and recommendations.
2: Uh, yes, he he told me uh, that he has. Uh, put an extra $50 million away to do renovations and development of the property. Wow. Um, wow. This is crazy. There's, and he's also, uh, the, the way I understand it, he's also push, purchased, uh, there, there's probably 50, 60 acres that is owned by Jerry's brother, and he also purchased that. Uh, he he plans on uh, making it like a community. He wants to do a hotel, uh, some restaurants. Um, he wants to have a uh, RV park for the horsemen and an RV park for uh, visitors uh, that want to come and enjoy the races so he's talking about new barns and uh he was he understands he has to do some work on the track and and on the rail uh, and he he he's uh he, he's saying all the right things it's it's really kind of hard to believe it, to, you know it's good but. Too good to be true. Right
0: after what well we've been, after what the horseman's been through the last twenty years. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Too good to be true. I, 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 crazy. I, I, I. I mean, I, I assume it's funny because I, I, you know, I reached out to you immediately yesterday when I saw the, you know, they saw the. Even the brief stories that were filed, uh, with details to follow, quote unquote, you know, story will be updated, kind of things. And I just assumed it was a lease, some sort of a lease deal that the horseman that you guys had had made with Sims that you'd uh, impressed upon him. Not, uh, not a, not a proverbial white knight. Uh, but that's what this is. I mean, this is this this is a, a white knight.
2: Well, like I said, it's um, we're we're a little. Uh, suspect, but uh, we're, we're just—I guess—praying that uh, all of this happens Amazing. like the gentleman says it will. So we'll see. Wow,
0: unbelievable! This is this is stranger than fiction, and uh, I—I I, guess—I guess maybe uh, the movie jockey—they'll—they'll they'll have to be a sequel uh to 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 jockey and they'll they'll bring the crew back to you know to turf paradise and we'll film a we'll film a sequel amazing wow leroy uh, this yeah. is this is great i i i hoping i praying along with you that uh
2: that it works yeah this would, this would be great if it happens and uh we'll see uh, like i said he says all the right things and He's an interesting gentleman. Uh, I mean, he's a fair—he's—he appears to be a fair guy, and but you know, everybody has to make their money, so and he understands that. Unbelievable.
0: Well, this is uh, this is potentially both uh, both in Phoenix and in Prescott. Uh, with potential for uh, a buyer at Arizona downs as well. And, and, uh, you know, a full fledged circuit, uh, essentially could be, uh, could be born anew. Uh, and, uh, Leroy Guessman uh, delighted with this news. And, and I appreciate the opportunity for you to bring it out to, I'm sure there'll be plenty of, you know, happy horse players. Uh, Arizona has been put upon, uh, the horse playing community for years and, uh, this is uh this is seemingly all positive
2: you know uh just one other note steve all the trouble we've been through it's uh it, i mean we're not our handle i noticed some of the handles around the country are, are slipping a little bit yep. but our handle here in arizona has been up over the over the last six eight months and uh hmm. With all the negative news and horse racing, and with this uh, shutdown of OTBs in the background uh, possibly happening, it's amazing uh, how we're ahead of ahead of last year. Uh, I don't know the percentages or the numbers. I, I know what the purse account is up over last year, and that's a substantial amount. Uh, and but it, uh, I. Like I said, I don't know the actual handled numbers or the percentages, but I do know we're up over last year, and uh, that's uh, it's amazing uh, with the negativity we've had uh, in the press and everything else with Turf Paradise. So uh, anyway, we're excited. Uh, We hope that... uh, both tracks uh, become viable again, and uh, we have a year-round horse racing in Arizona. That's our goal.
0: Uh, tremendous, tremendous, Leroy. As uh, so, any news, keep, let, let, just put up the flag and, like, like you do on a mailbox, and and and, <laughs> and, and we'll 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 run over and hear from you. All right. All right, I'll text you
2: when something
0: breaks. I love it. Uh, Leroy Gessman, everybody, and, of course, uh, former uh, chairman of uh, the national HBPA and uh, currently back uh, handling uh, duties at Arizona HBPA uh, that uh, we're we're absolutely uh, hoping for this kind of a a turn of events. And it feels like... uh, If everything is as advertised, it's going to be very positive long-term. Unbelievable. I mean, the proverbial, you know, man off the street. (laughs) It's just crazy. Just wild. Guy comes in and uh, you're going to lose your job. Let me talk to your boss. (laughs) Unbelievable. I love it. This, that that uh, that I, I mean I I think everybody had had, a, had just assumed the worst, and uh, you know it also, uh, frankly, you know involving uh, Sims. I mean it feels like you know maybe just it was the perfect scenario to get you know to just because it did feel like he just you know he's ready to just get out. Okay, all right, that's fine. <laughs> amazing and i and i didn't know i didn't realize his brother you know there was that acrimonious uh division between the, the sims brothers and but i didn't realize that the that the brother owned the section I, I actually now that i think about it i do remember at the time that you know when when things were this goes back probably eight nine years uh they they explained that yeah that there was I don't know either a parcel I, I the parcel or you know that there was something to to divide up between them. Uh wow. Wow. Uh let's do a couple of things and I'm uh looking to see uh, uh and I'm just seeing a note here from uh MJC. Uh they're off the turf already tomorrow uh at, at Maryland. They they just uh sent that out to their to their horsemen, FYI. Uh, Let me give you, because as noted, Dave Hill in Paris with the family. So, not going to take half hour of or even 20 minutes of family time uh, away from the the hills. The hills are alive. (laughs) The hills have eyes. (laughs) Run for the hills. (laughs) The... Here are the plays that, uh, if you're not on Twitter, uh, and I, I'll i put them up at uh, the website, too. Uh, tonight, Dave's taking the Packers. Uh, he got one, and the line actually has moved up. do you re- recall that he makes his plays by Tuesday? Uh, so he got a point, and actually it's gone now to a point and a half. Uh, so that one's a little bit against them, but obviously it's a, you know, it's a near, it's a near pick them. Uh, then on Sunday, Sunday morning, you got those games, where are those games? In London and Frankfurt, right? London and Frankfurt. Uh, is it London on, is it London Saturday or Frankfurt? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, there's, there's a football game on Sunday morning at nine thirty in the morning and it's uh Atlanta and Jacksonville and Dave got three uh is giving three I should say and uh now actually that's gone up it's gone to three and a half uh, but Dave's only having to give three to the Falcons so he's looking for Jacksonville to snap back uh his best bet and uh he got into the in interesting exchange uh with Paul Cush who's you know was a seasoned uh better uh, in, in general um and he actually showed a, a capture from unabated uh about you know the money line the odds versus the money line and and which numbers uh were f- more favorable he has got the rams plus 1 at Indy. And uh, Dave expects uh, the Rams to, you know, to just win that game uh, outright. Then Houston, plus three. And that line has dropped uh, to two and a half. So Dave uh, got on the right side of Houston uh, on time Tuesday. They're uh, hosting Pittsburgh. Then New England and Dallas, and... Dave got seven on Tuesday, and the line is now down to six and a half. All right, so he's on the right – he got on the right – that's what I told you at the beginning of the show. He, he's got on the right side of a number of these. Uh, the Cardinals, who have – I mean, they blew that game against the Giants, but, boy, I, I saw part, good part of that uh, Dallas game, and they, they were terrific. Uh, they're getting 14 and a half. Uh, visiting San Francisco. And uh, Dave is is taking the 14. That's a lot of points. And he's taking the 9.5 that the Jets are getting, hosting the Chiefs. And then on Monday night, that's the Sunday night game, Kansas City at the Meadowlands. So he's taking the Jets in 9.5. And, and then Seattle uh, is in New York. This is another week where... Boy, the NFL really put pressure on the stadium staff at the Meadowlands. This is another week where there's two home games on on back to back nights. I didn't realize that the, the Jets are home Sunday night, and then the Giants are home Monday night. So you know, you got the they got to paint the they got to you know cover the green up with the blue and the, the, the end zones and the, and the 50-yard line, all that stuff. Uh, Dave is taking the Seahawks plus one. A lot of tight, quite a few tight lines. Uh, Seattle plus one, visiting the Giants. Uh, And uh, that line has moved to a half. So here's the lineup again. Green Bay tonight, plus a point. Jacksonville on Sunday morning, uh, giving three to Atlanta. Rams getting one at Indy. Houston plus three at home for Steelers. Patriots plus seven at Dallas. Arizona plus 14 at San Francisco. Jets plus nine and a half home for the Chiefs. And Seattle uh, plus one uh, in back at meadowlands all right there's your lineup and i'll i'll get it out uh, it'll re- retweet it or read then i'll put it up at the uh, website too uh, after i get off the air uh let's spend a minute and that's the uh sprint championship that's not what i was looking for let's spend a minute and uh in fact, you know what, with, uh, you know, you know, what we could do, I'm going to, this is just a shot in the dark because we didn't talk to him early in the week because we were off on Monday, but I'm going to see, we've got about 15, actually, this, this is, this is going to work. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, um, and because I know, I know, because I know that John looks at the uh, thoroughgraph figures and rather than me just rather than me just, you know, suggesting uh, and, and you know, doing a solo uh, on the two races, on the two Thuragraph races, let me bring John White in to discuss the two Thuragraph races, the Awesome Again and the Eddie D. John, good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Excellent, and I appreciate uh, you doing this on the fly, but I know that you looked these races over and that you... uh that you went over the sheets on these two uh, terrific races that run back-to-back on Saturday.
1: Indeed I did, and um, certainly uh, very helpful to have the thoroughgraph uh, information, which is uh, there was a time when I had that on a, on a day-to-day basis, but no longer. And it's, so on these special occasions where I do get that information, it's greatly appreciated because I feel that it does help me do a better job.
0: Well, the, the the I picked these two races, uh, and everybody that signed up at Thoroughgraph uh, for the these segments, and and Jeff Franklin will be back with us next week. Uh, I thought these were fun because you know you can play a double. You got the awesome again. Then you got the Eddie D. You got a you know a dirt classic style race the mile in the eighth and then you got the downhill six and a half so i thought it was a fun uh, pair of races they came up the card is terrific uh and uh, i know i saw you put out your column and i have not read it yet but i did see you know that you had selections but let's talk about let's talk about the awesome again first
1: well, we got a field of nine going here, and uh, I think favoritism could go either way between Defunded and Slow Down Andy. Uh, I think it'll be one of the two. I think um, it probably will be Defunded as far as favoritism because of the fact that I think most people recognize that uh, Del Mar is not his favorite track. In fact, Bob Baffert made the comment during the Del Mar meet, he's not a beach guy. And uh, he has won on the main track at Del Mar, but his record is really uh, in quite contrast to his main track record at Santa Anita. So um, it's, uh, I think the funded, you know, and he put off, when you talk about Thoregraph, he put off a string of ones. I mean, it's very unusual for a horse to duplicate a number that many times and going clear back to last year's Awesome again, which he won getting a one. Uh, then he ran off a whole string of ones. And last time out in the Pacific Classic, he uh, went to a four. And uh, But, you know, that was a race. You know, both of his races at Del Mar were, in, were quite a bit uh, different than his races at Santa Dita. Now, it's also interesting to me that while... On, a, on the buyer scale, he fell off to a 95 in the San Diego handicap, then further to a 97 in the Pacific Classic. He did uh, get a one in the um, San Diego. So his race from a thorough draft standpoint in the San Diego, while finishing fourth as a fortified favorite behind senior Buscador and Sullivan Andy, wasn't as bad on the thoroughgraph scale as it was kind of on the on the buyer scale, really. So there's a lot to, to chew on in this race, that's for sure. It makes it very uh, difficult. I mean, for instance, Stiletto Boy, what are you going to do with Stiletto Boy? This is a horse that never seems to get bet, and yet his thoroughgraph numbers are pretty darn good. Uh, and I, when I talk about these numbers, Steve, I took the time yesterday to write down the entire the, the third graph numbers for the entire card on every horse and every race, which is what I used to do when I got the sure. third a
2: lot of people do. I'm,
1: and it's time-consuming, but it really helps you. So I do round them off. You know, in other words, if it's a two-and-a-quarter, a two-and-a-half, a two-and-three-quarters, a a two I've got it as a two. So I want to make that clear because there, there is a difference in these numbers, you know, if you're going to sink your teeth into them even more. But Stiletto Boy got a negative number in the Oakland handicap. He got a one in the Santa Anita handicap. I mean, he's got numbers that put him in the mix. And another horse that gets really good thoroughgraph numbers but doesn't seem to get bet. And what's good about that, it offers value to the people who purchase thoroughgraphs. Sure. They're going to get good prices, like when Senior Buscador was... 13 to one in the uh, san diego handicap and he runs a zero which he had done a number of times before so i mean he's quite capable of that and if you went ahead and went with him that day you got richly rewarded with a 13 to one uh victory and he, he actually ran well i thought in the pacific classic i mean he here again he got a zero and uh he was coming on late there pretty nicely for a horse that was kind of you know, not respected that much again at nine to one. So, you know, for a lot of people like Down Andy in this spot, well, Senior Buscador was only a length behind him in the Pacific Classic, and he actually beat Slowdown Andy in the San Diego. I mean, he ran right by him in the San Diego. So, Senior Buscador to me, and he's a horse that I've, I I haven't officially, you know, I haven't concretely set the line yet, but as of this moment, because I will tell you, I will sometimes tweak that line, right? Even as I'm putting it in, I'll go, you know, and I'll switch it around. But as it stands right now, I'm looking at five to one on Senior Buscador, two to one on Defunded, five to two on Slow Down Andy. Now, it seems like it, the, all the Skinner people are finally kind of skitter, skittering away from him. Uh, you know, he was still even getting support in the Pacific Classic, and he never threatened. So I've got him at 12. Bye, bye, bye. But I picked up fourth, but I don't think he's going to get any play. He ran a good race in that Pat O'Brien. He galloped out in front. This is a $870,000 auction purchase. This is not some cheap horse. He's a quality road colt. I think Todd Fincher does a tremendous job. And Of course, he's got Senior Buscador in this race. But Fincher horses just don't seem to get bet in California that much. And I was going to make by uh Bobby 12, and then I raised him to 15 to, to kind of balance the line. And then I, I think I'm going to end up with him at 20, which does cut his price from the Pat O'Brien, in which he was 33. Celestial Moon, to me, is overmatched here. I don't think he'll get any play. And this is where Thorograph helps me a lot, too, because he does not have any number that puts him in contention in this race. Now, maybe he'll come up with one for the first time, but he's a, he's a, a six-type horse, which isn't in the same ballpark no. as these horses like Senior Buscador, Defunded, Slowdown, in So I, I don't have a problem making him 30-to-1. National Treasure's a tricky horse because he's a baffer. He, he's a quickness winner, so he's a classic winner. People talk about the three-year-old strength this year. And he's a three-year-old, facing the older here. And so, you know, his races uh, in the Belmont and the Travers were disappointing. But And he doesn't really have thoroughgraph power. So, I mean, I, I, you know, on thoroughbred, I think Senior Buscador has actually got a better chance than National Treasure. But I think because of Juan Hernandez riding National Treasure, at being Bathurst, and he's a Preakness winner... So I'm looking at four to one on him. Paroli, you know, popped up with that race in the Gold Cup. He got a one running right there with the funded, finishing second at twenty eight to one. But his two subsequent races have left something to be desired. So I've got him at fifteen. He didn't get any play at all in the Pacific Classic. He was fifty four to one that day. Well, he's
0: he's an interesting horse, John.
1: Yes, he is. I don't disagree, and I, I always respect Michael McCarthy. You won't find a bigger Michael McCarthy fan than yours truly. Uh, but I, as far as how he'll get bet, I I don't. You know, he got he was nine to five in an allowance optional claimer at Del Mar. Had, he stumbled badly. It's a it's a throwout race, but it doesn't look good on his form, and he didn't get a good number, of course, because it was a throwout race. And then, like I say, he, and he. I, he didn't get any kind of play in the Pacific Classic, and he finished well up the track. So, But he's got two sharp workouts since then and he 's going to be a big race, and he he's a horse that certainly could hit the board there's no question about it in my mind
0: well he's 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 more i think he 's more than that he, he's a horse that can win this race uh, it 's obvious that this is another horse that does not care for going down state and The minute he got back to santa Anita all of a sudden he he pops on you know, a near bullet. Uh, that 46-4 that and half-mile, his first yep. work back at, at Santa Anita. Then he follows it up with a nice even 48 flat. Uh, th- this is a dangerous horse. Uh, Reese Billy, uh ends up aboard, who is a go-to guy for uh, Michael W. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. That Gold Cup win, which, of course, is a mile and a quarter, uh, that Gold Cup win if he runs that race he he's an absolute win candidate at a big price and i I, i'm going to expect that you know the 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 thoroughgraph mentality uh is is going to suggest i don't know if jerry will do a write-up on this uh, himself for santa Anita uh saturday but uh this is a horse that thoroughgraph players this is the kind of Situation that you look to because that one is as good as Senior Buscador defunded and slow down Andy who are the three obvious contenders and then there's the running style too. I mean he's a horse that's going to be in the race flow and you know is, is going to be fairly close. So uh, I think I think you disregard he's also a third off the layoff. You kind of disregard the two downstate races and assume that he's going to run his A race here. Uh, the Paroli's my my interest in this race.
1: Well, uh, you were saying the Bull Cup win. He, he was second in the uh, Second, Cup, excuse but, me. But, 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 and he ran a big race that yeah. day. Now, the question is, you know, and I, I will tell you, Steve, in making the line, morning line, this is where following the people that are expert sheet players that, that are expert at this have taught me to look beyond the last race especially at even the last couple of races and like you point out especially when you're switching tracks and but this is where you're going to a lot of times get a good price and he i was going i was at first going to make him 20 but one of the reasons I'm going to make him 15 or possibly 12 but probably 15, is, which is half his price, basically, from what he was in the Gold Cup. So I'm slashing his price in half off of that. But uh, it is because of the fact that it, this is the type of horse that a sheep player would like. But he, despite that, the vast majority of people that will be betting the race, I think, are going to be not too enthused about him because the Delmar races dirty up
0: his form. Yeah, well, that's that's what we like. That's absolutely exactly. what we like. Exactly. All right, let's. We got about uh, three minutes to do the Eddie. Uh, D, and, you know, coming down the hill is always fun. And, again, this is a a scenario where you're looking for patterns. And, obviously, a horse, you know, like Bran for for Sadler uh, is probably where the conversation starts. Laneway uh, has been good down the hill as well. He's got a race that absolutely wins. I'm a gambler. Nibbles, you know, with three and a half and and four on the sheets. Uh, Unconquerable keen from D'Amato uh you know trying to take a, a next step into stakes company. I mean those from a fig standpoint, those are the you know the horses that that kind of fit the profile. Uh interesting to see D'Amato try Balnikoff down the hill uh first time i mean he's basically a miler uh and you know historically milers fit uh the the profile for wins but he's actually going to have to run you know a slightly improved race he did get down to a four and three quarters uh believe it or not in the mediocre effort in the del mar mile Um, that was actually a, a breakthrough number which historically can bode well for, you know, more improvement. Uh, but, uh, you know, Bound the Cough, I imagine you're going to make a, you know, what, four-to-one type of a five-to-one?
1: No, not an 11-horse field. See, this is where you run. Nice. You get, nice. You start prices because of the size of the field that you honed in on where I think the wagering is going to go for the most part, and that is to brand and laneway. Lane. Uh, Brands, you know, Bomnikov's not even coming close. to getting a one, and yep. uh, and, and LaneWay are, are capable of ones. The other aspect for LaneWay, while well, I can't make him too big. He's my racehorse horses, and this is another twist that's making more these days. You've I underline these operations like my racehorse because I'm going to tell you they get a lot of play yep. because they got a lot of people involved right and uh so those are the two main players in this race from a thorough standpoint i think they will be from a betting standpoint i do think that Belnikov, you know not only did he run a better number last time but he didn't have the best of trips so it makes it even better that he he had uh you know ran that well and could have even maybe run a little better with a better trip so uh I'm looking at him in the around the 6-to-1 range um, because, like I say, you just start running into a problem that I, I, there's too many horses in here to divide the pie up, and uh, so I've, I've got to stick around 128. Even that sends our good friend Marcus Hirsch up the wall that I, I'm at 128 you know in the days that i made the morning line steve when it, it was made the morning sent in the morning of the races which is why it's called the morning line it's not called the two days ahead of time line it's called the morning line and when it when i knew the scratches and every you had more last minute information to make the line i balanced at 124 125 these numbers that these people prefer but it's a different dynamic today and my job's to try to do as good a job as I can in in forecasting the odds. All it takes is one scratch in a race, and it throws the whole line off. Especially if you're talking about a horse, even at five to one, that's twelve points out of a hundred and twenty-eight. So, uh, but I I think this race it's an interesting race. The other horse that we didn't discuss that I think is going to get some play because his last race was a complete throwout. Uh, and he is speed, and there's not a lot of early speed in this race, and that's noble reflection. And he's three for four on this uh, Santa Anita turf course, and he's a horse that ran a 100 buyer coming down the hill and a three. So with the fact that the pace scenario could really work to his favor, he's a horse I'm looking at maybe as the third choice in here at about five to one uh because that last one at kentucky downs that's just that's yeah throw that that out you know throw it out completely so uh he's kind of an interesting horse in here so i may have him about five or six uh in that area what about what about i'm a gambler i think he's uh, very dangerous i look at six or eight ballpark for him uh You know, he ran a very good race last time, had the lead at the eighth pole going seven, you know, in a mile race. So that means he was in front at seven furlongs against some of the, you know, best we have on the West Coast in DeJure and Exalted. So, uh, you know, I think he's a a big player in here. And, you know, he he, but again, he has he he wasn't bet too strongly. And I think I had him a lower price that he ended up drifting up to seven to one in that in that uh, in that, uh delmar mile but it's 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 a challenging race it's a tough race and again a lot of times what drives these prices on the morning line are the sizes of the fields. each horse you add makes it more difficult uh, in terms of yeah. getting, you know putting lower prices on horses that's what ends up forcing you to make bigger prices than you would prefer that whole delmar <laughs> summer the complete migraine headache for me for
0: that. Yeah. John, I appreciate it. I got to pull up. Uh, this was great. Win using thoroughgraph and uh, the two races, the Eddie D and the Awesome Again, a full-fledged uh, weekend preview tomorrow uh, here. And uh, that'll include opening day at Santa Anita with Hammer, probably Nate Newby, uh, Brad Free. So we get plenty of coverage, a big, Card at at Churchill as well, and uh, hope the weather's all right uh, by Saturday in New York and uh, at Laurel uh, for their, particularly the two turf races for the two-year-olds. Thanks to John for jumping in to help us with the thoroughbred session. Leroy Guessman with the great news in Arizona potentially. Sire watch pedigree focus brought to you by Hill and Dale with Sid Fernando, Stephanie Aronis, the Women's Summit. going on right now at Santa Anita. And early, Dick Powell with HKJC Racing and some press. Kyle, good luck. You're playing today. Talk to you tomorrow. Weekend preview, ATR.
2: XM Radio.
1: PA Bread, I think we've built uh, a brand at this point. The
0: state of Pennsylvania has the best
1: breeders program in the entire United States. Angel of Empire wins the Arkansas Derby and wins it clear. Caravel in the Breeders'
0: Cup Turf Sprint.
2: Pennsylvania and the PHBA have the best state-bred program in the country, bar none, the best breeders awards and stallion awards in the country.